Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Greg Cross. He's the co-founder and chief business officer at Soul Machines. Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kevin. Great to be here. Um, you know, glad you want to talk to me, sir. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing at Soul Machines is really innovative and cool. But maybe before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Sure. So, I mean, um, you might be able to tell from my accent. I'm, I, I'm a New Zealander or a or a Kiwi, as we re refer to ourselves. So I'm calling in to, to you today from the future. So it's, you know, it's, <laughs> it's early morning tomorrow. Um, for, you know, I'm living in early morning tomorrow for you. So that's kind of um, me. I, I, I mean, I was born, you know, born, born and raised here in, um, in New Zealand. I uh, did a lot of my early growing up in the countryside um, on, a, on a dairy farm, um, cool. on, on and around dairy farms, um, milking cows and uh, so to, to start with. So uh, um, so that kind of that's, you know, um, you know, kind of idyllic childhood in many respects, growing up in the countryside of New Zealand. Um, and then, um, um, you know, uh, off to boarding school um, at, at high school. So you know, spent, you know, five years at high school, you know, at a, at, um, at a boarding school in Auckland, um, New Zealand's okay. biggest city. Um, from there, um, tried university, didn't like it, dropped out and it, really... Why did you drop out out of curiosity? I just didn't like it. just didn't enjoy it. Um, it just wasn't, you know, wasn't my scene for some reason. Um, you know, we're, we're going back a long way in history here now. So, um, you know, it was, you know, you know I didn't like, you know, I mean, at the time, the sort of the, I guess, the socialism, the liberalism, you know, some of that stuff that's got, that surrounded um, universities was really quite foreign to me. Um, so, yeah, um, um, you know, I had a skiing accident um, and never went back. So it's kind of the, um, much to gotcha. my mum, my mum and dad never forgave me, but um, that's okay. That's a different story. Um, I then I, I got really lucky. Um, um, yeah, it's kind of funny. You, know, you you always meet interesting point people at different points in your life and career. And I and I started um, um, an internship with one of New Zealand's leading technology entrepreneurs. Um, it was a high tech engineering manufacturing and engineering company in the plastics industry. Um, um, Bill Foreman. Um, he's no longer with us, unfortunately. But you know, Bill really took me under his wing as you know, almost as a son and. Um, he got me incredibly interested in building businesses and competing on the international stage. So, and and he also got me hooked on being an entrepreneur. I mean, Bill was you know, a great person to learn off. So, you know, we, you know, um, I, you know, I, he got me into tech. So, I mean, I ended up after a couple of years as an intern, I ended up taking over the responsibility for building, you know, a lot of their internal um, you know, IT systems that, you know, we used to run um, our high-tech 
plastics manufacturing facilities. Um, you know, built you know um, the company was called Trigon. It went on to become a, a global business. They reinvented the courier pack. Um, you know. Um, industry and, and the material that courier packs are made it made out of, um, and, and you know, you know, much later, much after I left, because you know, um, I ended up, you know, we ended up spinning out a company um, out of that together um, called Fact International. Um, this was back in the late eighties. Um, this, you know, um, as a result of spinning that company out, I ended up living in the U.S. Um, so I moved to Boston and had my first stint living in the U.S. Um, um, with this company and, you know, um, a few years later, you know, after those five years building that company in Boston, I we, we sold it to a Canadian company. I, I moved across the border to Toronto. So, yeah, that's kind of, you know, I mean, Bill, you know, really, really kick-started my career. And, um, he, you know, someone I always credit for me for the, you know, some of the key things in life that have made, uh, you know, really make me tick. You know, really that drive to want to compete internationally. Um uh, and and be the best at what 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 I what we do on the international stage and and you know um, yeah he really set me up for a, a very entrepreneurial um, adventure if you like in my in, in sort of in my career story so yeah that's that's kind of where it's that that's kind of where you know um, it all started for me so I've you know I'm you know um, being back living in New Zealand now for you know, just under twenty years so I you know while I choose to live here. Um, Pre-pandemic, I'd, I'd spend most of my time, on, you know, on an airplane. So, because um, um, I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm still building businesses. I'm still um, competing, you know, enjoying competing on the international stage. So, um, um, I got, uh, I've got two grown-up kids who, you know, who I'm incredibly proud of. Um, you know, living in the U.S., uh, my my eldest son is uh, in the U.S. military as a special forces. Um, guy, my youngest uh, part-time musician, uh, part-time IT guy. So, um, um, so incredibly proud of my um, of my kids, um, and you know, obviously, um, you know, um, sort of my career interest since I moved back to New Zealand um, in the early two thousands. You know, post the dot, just after the dot com era. You know, nuclear winter in Silicon Valley back in those days. So, you know, came back to, you know, came home to New Zealand. My wife, my wife needed some surgery, and so we kind of stayed. And um, I got interested at that point in commercializing deep science tech. I'd largely been a software guy up to then, you know, you know uh, enterprise software guy building businesses in the enterprise software space, um, um, and. Um, um, I got interested in, in deep tech, so I built a relationship with the University of Auckland, so um, you know, New Zealand's leading research university, uh, my local university. I started helping them build out, you know, you know, a lot of entrepreneurial ecosystems started to evolve in those early 2000 um, era, era, so just as they did in the US and Silicon Valley and other parts, a lot of the you know, incubator industry um, you know, the angel industry, you know, angel industry all flourished during those. So I was, I, I, I was part of the evolution of that here. Um, and through through the relationships I dealt deliver, built at the University of Auckland, I went, at, you know, I went on to found, you know, spin out, um, you know, um, with, a, with a co-founder, young co-founder, um, a, a company we ended up calling Power by Proxy. 
Um, so Powered by Proxy was was built on you know the the you know the the world's leading portfolio research um, pattern portfolio in the wireless charging space. Um, oh, so interesting. Started, yeah. So that um, you know. Um, yeah, you know, uh, a professor at the University of Auckland, Dr. John Boys, had you know probably spent you know spent his whole life researching um, wireless charging and and carrying on the work of Nikolai Tesla. Um, um, so my co-founder and I, you know, convinced the University of Auckland to provide us with a license for the, for that technology. You know, we grew that um, business. You know, over the next you know that so this was. You know, we, we started talking about this in sort of the 2005, 2006 timeframe. We founded the company in 2007 and, you know, over the next, you know, I guess it was a 10-year journey, um, you know, we went through a number of really interesting applications for wireless charging in both the industrial and consumer space. We got, um, we became embedded in that, you know, there was a big um, standards battle for wireless charging between, yeah. you know, wireless power consortium you know which was a cooperative group of industry players on one side and you know qualcomm and um, intel with a different standard on the other side we were one of the key contributors of technology to the wireless power consortium you know we won investment from um, people like samsung and uh, big industri industrial components guys, TE connectivity. Um, cool. but, but, you know, ultimately, you know, um, um, you know, in this particular case, the, we ended up selling the business to Apple. So in 2017, cool. in 2017. So if, if you're, a, you know, if you're a user of an iPhone, you know, you, you, yep. you carry a bit of Kiwi originated technology around in your pocket. So uh, that's very cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of cool to you know. I mean, um, think about that. You know, think about that. You know, something that you are associated with and were a part of. Um, your life's journey is you know is so you know is in you know millions and millions of devices around the world these days. So it's kind of cool. So um, um, I you know I, I'd uh, I'd left the company um, before the sale. Um, um, you know, the sale was, you know, these sorts of deals take a while. And it was my co-founder there that got the, got that particular deal across the line. I'd moved on and, you know, um, so that, that, that the deal, deal with Apple um, was done in 2017. I actually, you know, co-founded Soul Machines in 2016. So that's kind of, um, that's kind of, um, um, you know, another, um, you know, that, that, that was kind of, you know, incredibly um, exciting chapter, um, you know, um, Apple's, you know, wireless charging R&D division is still based here at Auckland. Um, my, you know, my oh, old engineering team, my, my co-founder of Power by Proxy are all, st are, you know, are all still working on that team. So, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, that, that was, you know, that, that, that was, you know, clearly a, you know, a, a highlight in my career. I, I did, you know, I guess I, I, I jumped over it, um, but I did a couple of really interesting stints in the corporate world, which is, you know, and you could say is a little bit interest, interesting for an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur. But, um, yeah, the first was in the launch of um, digital um, digital cellular technology in, in New Zealand. Um, so, you know, before digital uh, cell phones, we had analog cell phones, so completely yeah. different structure and 
um, you know, so you go back to, you know, Motorola was the big player in the, in the analog cell phone industry. Um, you know, Motorola and the flip, flow, flip phones. Then you had the digital, yeah. the, the, the digital, or the, you know, in Europe they call it GSM, um, that got rolled out in the early 90s. I was 2IC in, in, um, uh, in, the, in the rollout and the build out of the GSM network. And I mean, literally, um, these, the, in those days, these were literally billion dollar startups, you know, moving into an, an industry where, you, you know, there were large monopoly providers um, already in place or, you know, one or two duopolies and and you're building a completely new cell phone infrastructure, a completely new network um, with you know brand new technology. Um, so it was a, it was a, I mean it was you know I mean, even in a sm relatively small market like New Zealand that you know this was literally a billion dollar startup. Um, you know that was I mean interestingly actually. Um, the key funder of that startup in New Zealand was Bell South, one of the old baby bells from the US. So and they, they had quite an in, quite the international footprint back in those days. So I spent a couple of years, you know, um, at the beginning of that sort of um, mobile digital era, and that's been that was really interesting um, learnings for me because you know it's the first time from a tech point of view I really touched a, con a, a consumer oriented business. So you know where you selling you know um selling cell phones you know i mean and, and i mean it's crazy to think about it um kevin back but back in those days you know even text messaging was you know not even really considered you know uh, a uh, revenue stream in those days and so quite an, right. quite an, quite an, quite an incredible era era really um and from there i you know i mean i probably should have learned my lesson by then but i uh, you know i got <laughs> I got, I got talked into you know doing a second stint in corporate with with Microsoft, um, and so I ran the local subsidiary in New Zealand for a couple of years. Um, cool. and, and what was really really cool um, um, in those days is you know I mean this was the first time the software industry really um, did a consumer launch. Um, you know this was the era of Windows ninety five. So yep. you know they you know. Um, the first television ad, ad, ads for software um, came out that year. You know, um, the, the rock and roll industry. You know, Microsoft hired the you know the Rolling Stones with "Start Me Up" as um, you know for the launch of that product. So it was a, yeah. I mean, it was another really, really, if you like, pivotal point in in, in many respects in the tech industry. You know, it was sure. an era where you know it was an era where you know. Um, the, the whole you know browser wars happen, um, and you know you know seeing how nimble you know Bill Gates was you know to rise you know to come you know, rise to that competitive threat of uh, of you know, of Netscape and um, respond to that and you know re actually realize that Microsoft had done gone down the completely wrong route you know with with the internet and you know pivot a you know you know what was you know still a multi multi billion dollar company pivot that literally overnight um, and, and its whole internet strategy overnight was you know once again also an incredible learning um, exercise so hopefully that's given you a bit of color into who I, who, who I am you know um, you know soul machines journey started um, in January of 2016 when uh, you know uh, a, a good friend of mine introduced me to my now co-founder of Soul Machines, Dr. Mark Sager. Um, you know, um, I guess 
really, you know, pretty typical story, but a very Kiwi story. We, you know, a, a, a friend of ours based in LA um, introduced us. We went had we went literally and had a beer. Um, you know, we we spent two or three hours, you know, just getting to know each other and talking and and you know we you know um, literally at that point, you know, we from that point on we started working towards um, um, spinning. Um, soul machines um, out out of the University of Auckland again. So um, Mark is you know uh, Mark you know Mark my co co-founder and business partner at Soul Machines is a, an Oscar winner technology animator. Um, worked on movies you know like um, Avatar and King Kong for Very with cool. Sir, Peter, Sir Peter Jackson and, and and James Cameron. So or, you know one of the reasons. So if you look at the genesis of what we do as a company. It, you know, remember those giant blue creatures and how we fell in love with them, even though they're incredibly unusual. You know, yeah. Mark's tech. You know, obviously a lot of incredibly talented people had a, had a lot to do with that, but so did Mark's tech because, and this really goes to the genesis of you know what we're about at Soul Machines is, you know, many of us, most of us, fell in love with those giant blue creatures, and the reason we did that was even though they looked. They didn't look that much like us. They actually had this ability to express human-like emotion in a very, very human-like way. Um, sure. And that was, you know, ultimately, you know, I mean, brilliant direction, brilliant camera work, but also brilliant facial, you know, leading, you know, world-leading facial animation technology by, by Mark. So that was sort of, you know, that that's you know where mark came from he when i met him you know in 2016 he had been um he'd left the movie industry in 2012 and and set up a um set up a, a, a research lab um at the university of auckland to really start to explore the future of animation and you know mark had got interested in a couple of really key concepts you know that you know sit behind this work that we do you know, he'd got interested in, you know, because if you think of the movie industry and the games industry, all of that incredible animation is being driven by motion capture, you know, so, you know, and, and motion capture means you have a real human actor performing the role, you've got a bunch of high tech cameras and special um, equipment, which is capturing the, capturing the data from the acting that the you know that the the actor performs in the role that data is collected and then played back on top of a cgi or a cgi character an avatar or a digital person so um you know so you know, movies in the games industry is about this combination of incredible cgi uh, and you know motion capture pre-recorded animation so you know so um and, and and of course both the creation of the characters and the um and the you know uh, motion capture animation are you know eye-wateringly expensive you know a single minute of animation for a single character in a big budget movie can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars literally so sure so mark had got interested in how we might be able to autonomously animate CGI characters. So that was kind of, you know, how, how can we use artificial intelligence, you know, to autonomously animate CGI characters? So that's kind of where his research program started. And, and by autonomous animation, you know, we are autonomously animated. You know, we're having this conversation um, 
at, at this point in time. It's a unique conversation. It's a personal conversation. And this whole, inter you know, this whole conversation has been driven by the interaction. Ultimately, Kevin, you know, my brain and your brain. Your sure. brain is, is choosing the questions and the words that you, you, you're wanting to make up the questions. My brain is, you know, figuring out how to respond to those questions and tell you my story. Um, you know, the emotional content, the words, the context, all of that is being animated for me by my brain. So, you know, so Mark's research started off, you know, looking at, well, you know, uh, you know uh, with, with a concept of, you know, a, 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 um, called, you know, well, how do I create a, you know, literally, how do I create a digital brain? You know, um, you, know, my, uh, you know, how do I create a, a digital brain that um, operates, you know, and can animate a digital character, a CGI character, in the same way that humans are animated? So that was kind of where his research started in 2012. Um, you know, he got really really interested in embodied cognition as 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 a discipline um, you know you know which is basically comes down to you know modeling different aspects of brain function you know so he bought you know he he you know in a, in, a, in, a, in a small research university like the University of Auckland it's really easy to pull together a multidisciplinary research team of neuroscientists child psychologists um, you know, into a into a small team, and and so Mark said about a project called Baby X. Um, you know, because a lot of our, you know, a lot of the neural pathways that we have in our brain, you know, you know, as we, all, we, we most of us all know, are formed at a very very young age. So Mark wanted to explore, you know, the the development of the human brain function at a young age. Mark created a, you know, he created. Baby X um, as the basis of his research project. Baby X is actually, you know, based on you know the two year two year old likeness of his of his own daughter. Um, oh, interesting. Uh, um, um, so he, you know, he literally, you know, to create a digital a CGI character, you know, a human like CGI character that involves scanning. Um, uh, uh, the person uh, involves um, a whole bunch of CGI artists building the CGI, and then literally, you know, Mark, you know, started a whole bunch of work modeling different aspects of the human brain. So, you know, give you some idea of the approach to it. You know, you know, yeah. And there's a, you know, let's be clear. There's a lot that even the leading neuroscientists in the world don't understand about how the human brain works. So, you know, Mark, you know, decided to choose different models, you know, or different research papers that he could then model into software, you know. Um, um, so, you know, um, so in the this patented digital brain that we use to animate our digital characters today, you know, you know I mean, if you think about it, you know, you know one theory of neuro neuroscience is there are actually three control systems within our brain. We have our brainstem, which largely controls our life function, you know, how we breathe, whether we breathe slowly and deeply or fast and shallow. I mean, obviously that has an impact on the way in which, you know, our body moves and the way in which our facial muscles um, move, you know, if we're you know, it controls our flight or your fight or flight um, response systems. Um, you know, so you know, um, so the that, that's our brainstem. Out, you know, I mean, it's you know, um, 
you know, our reptilian brain, some people call it. Then we have our limbic system, and our limbic system is our effectively our emotional response system. You know, so if you know, if you know, uh, you know, we, um, if, if you know, we were sitting face to face, and I smiled at you, um, your your brain's natural reaction to seeing a smile is to secrete dopamine and serotonin and smile back. That's the natural reaction of um, that's a human natural human reaction to a smile. Um, um, you know, and so you know, modeling, you know, you know, and creating certainly, you know, virtualized versions of those neurotransmitters, those brain chemicals that generate emotional behaviors and responses is, you know, another piece of our technology. And of course, then the final part is our rational brain, um, you know, our cortex uh, and our rational brain is, you know, if you decide you don't want to smile at me. Um, when you see me smile at you, that's you know you making a different decision for your brain, your rational brain taking over. So, so you know, I mean, hopefully, it's, this is a you know gives some simple context for the you know the autonomous animation work that you know the work that Mark started back in 2012. You know, we met at the beginning of 2016, and we spun Soul Machines out of the university in July um, when we closed our. Series A funding round um, led by led by um, Horizons um, Ventures out of um, Hong Kong, Selena Chow, who you know um, you know is this incredible investor in you know in emerging technologies, um, you know and and you know technologies that have the potential to be big platforms and uh, and have a big impact on the world so um so um so that's kind of you know where solman's soul machine started where you know in july of this year of course we'll be five years old um and um you know and um you know we've we, we've you know grown enormously you know from the you know you know, Mark and 11 researchers, you know, uh, who joined Soul Machines on day one, plus me, you know, that was the start, the, the starting team where, you know, over 200 people, um, wow. our, cor our cor today, we raised $65 million of wow. uh, of venture funding in two rounds. We, we're just out for our, our third round at the moment. Um, we've, you know, um, you know, our core R&D remains remains in Auckland, but we have researchers and developers, subject matter experts in different parts of our of our technology um, scattered around the world. Uh, we have, you know, get, we're getting close to 100 people in the US, which is our key market. So, you know, wow. even though, you know, I, I guess I'm grounded in, in, and I really do mean grounded in New Zealand um, in this COVID era at this point in time, you know, our, you know, my executive leadership team, you know, for the, for this business is, is based in the US, you know, very much Bay Area based, you know, our sure. chief marketing officers in San Francisco, my, you know, head of global sales is in San Jose, my head of customer success is in the Bay Area, my head of digital is in New York. So, you know, I mean, we're, you know, um, we're, you know, very, very much a, a US centric um, business, you know, even though the roots of the company and, and a lot of our, our R&D is here. So, yeah, we don't, you know, we don't even really sell our technology in the New Zealand market. It's a very, you know, as you'd expect, it's a very, very small market. So, you know, for us to 
to to compete for and you know be successful in winning the sort of capital that we need to do the type of research that we do that really really re does require us to you know to comp you know you know, really think about how we compete and win as as a silicon valley company even though you know e even though the origins of the company are on the other side of the world so that's kind of the the way you know the, the way we think um you know 2019 pre-pandemic I, I you know literally spent my life um living on a plane i was averaging a long haul trip a week um wow. and, you know, and you know one of the you know obviously one of the best things about new zealand is it's so far away from anywhere so it's obviously been a, a benefit to to us um as a as a country during COVID, um, and you one guys of the, handled it incredibly well. Yeah, so it's been one of the good things. You're, we're a small company on the uh, country on the edge of the world, a long way away from anyone else. So that helps. Um, so that's one of the best things about New Zealand. It's also one of the worst things about New Zealand. Um, you know, it is a long way away. But look, you know, um, if you know you want to live live an adventurous life, you know, or, or a, a life like mine, yeah, you know, which you know we all have that kind of that opportunity now because the world is a smaller place in many respects. You know, I mean, I can. You know, I mean. You know, I can run, you know, um, you know, a Silicon Valley business from New Zealand today. Um, I have been doing that for the last 12 months, you know, signing multi-million dollar contracts, hiring key executives, um, you know, attending, you know, you know, generally via some sort of video conferencing platform, keynoting and speaking at some of the world's biggest conferences, which are all now digital. So, you know, I mean, I, I guess you know, one of the things that I think about is as the, the world, the way the world's changed. If you remember back to 2019, we we were spent in 2019 we were spending all this time talking about the fourth industrial revolution, and you know the robots were coming, and they were going to steal all of our jobs, and they were going to kill us, and we were going to have to you know we were going to have to follow Elon Musk's lead and move to Mars. Um, because, you know, because, you know, um, the robots were going to take over, you know, Earth, planet Earth um, from us. So, yeah, um, we, that, you know, that was, you know, that was, you know, front and center in all of our conversations. And, yeah, the really interesting thing, and I was reflecting on this the other day, is, you know, um, the pandemic arrived and, you know, we had, you know, quite rightly so. We had different priorities. You know, you know, we, you know, we we went down a couple of levels of Maslow's law um, and Maslow's hierarchy, and and started thinking about the, you know, the health and safety and how we protect our family families and our communities. You know, I mean, our world got you know reshaped and redefined in some ways, which we, you know, to be honest, we really don't understand yet. I I, I think it will be another potentially another ten years before we really understand. And the impact of this era that started at the beginning of the 2020s. I mean, I think you know, I think we'll look back and uh, you, know, uh, you know, in 10 years' time, we'll, you know, we'll get to 2031 and we'll look back and say, "Wow, you know, we thought we had it figured out, you know, when we rolled out vaccines in 2021." And you know, um, maybe we do, maybe we don't, um, Kevin. But yeah, yeah, the interesting thing here was, you know, you know, we stopped talking about the fourth industrial revolution, but it actually happened while we were worrying and focused elsewhere i mean it actually totally. you know you know, it, it, you know you know if we think about it you know the world became digital overnight 
um, and whole industries, you know, the economic base of those industries shifted, the way in which industries could deliver products and services shifted, you know, e-commerce rates, you know, which had been growing steadily over, you know, since the, you know, early 2000s, but, you know, pretty steadily on a pretty linear growth curve, you know, they literally, you know, doubled, you know, literally doubled in a few months, um, you know, because, you know, it's the only way we could shop was to buy stuff online. Um, you know, so, you know, um, video conferencing platforms, you know, businesses like Zoom, you know, you know, be, you know, became part of our day-to-day -day lexicon, you know, sh should we do a Zoom call today, you know, you know, well, let's set up a Zoom call, you know, I mean, so we, you know, I mean, all of the, you know, industries, you know, the, you know, that, tourism industry, the, you know, you know, the airline industry, you know, got blown up, um, you know, healthcare and education, you know, two, two industries that, you know, or two sectors that have really, really struggled um, to think about, you know, how do we, you know, how do, how, how do we um, shift into the world of digital education, and digital healthcare? I mean, they, they found themselves, you know, cast into those worlds, literally overnight, you know, I mean, you know, all of a sudden doctors all over the world discovered they could do patient consultations via, via video conferencing, you know, um, um, and, and they could do it incredibly efficiently. And, and you know, so, you know, we knew going into, you know, we, we, we've known for decades that we don't train enough teachers in our society. We don't train enough doctors in our communities anymore. We just don't. I mean, you know, if you live in a big city, you know, there's, you know, there tends to be a concentration of good schools and good medical care. But if you get out into the rural communities in America or Australia or New Zealand, where I grew up, you know, um, you know, there aren't the specialist teachers in our, in our high schools. And, we, and, you know, we don't have enough GPs to to look after people's, you know, community's health needs. So, you know, and, you know, so all of a sudden, you know, COVID, you know, helped us understand how we could, you know, how we could start the process of thinking about um, reframing the delivery of um, scarce resources to more people, you know, more often, you know. Um, so, you know, for us, you know, um, you know, like all tech companies, the first, you know, three to six months were, you know, you know, we can't sell because everybody's, cons you know, I mean, it's not appropriate for us to be selling our software, um, you know, um, um, you know, during those first couple of quarters, uh, you know, in the pandemic era, you know, all we could do is, you know, we could call our, our existing customers, you know, we could, we, we spent a lot of time talking to government agencies, how can we help, you know. Oh, interesting. Well, you know, one of the, you know, that's, you know, that became our catchphrase. How can we help? You know, the cool thing about, you know, digital people is they're infinitely scalable, you know. Um, sure. They, they're available, you know, you can, you know, I can run because we serve our digital people from the cloud. Um, you know, we can, ha you know, we can have a thousand digital people sessions or a hundred thousand digital people sessions running at a time or a million digital people sessions. So digital people are infinitely scalable. Um, they they work 24 by seven, you know, because it's a video stream from the cloud, they're available from any device anywhere. Um, you know, all of the content is 
in one place. So, you know, all of the content that drives the, and the knowledge that drives um, an interaction with a digital person exists in a single place, a natural language processing engine from any one of, uh, you know, the big companies that build the NLP engines. You know, all of that knowledge exists in a single repository. So, you, you know, you update you know, the knowledge in one place and it's instantly available to everybody everywhere. So, you know, digital people, you know, so yeah, we started talking to, you know, help desks at that point in time. If you think of the call center industry, many call centers just got wiped out by pan the pandemic because, you know, they had to figure out how to, you know, how people, how to get the tech working from the cloud and people working from anywhere. Um, you know, a lot of, you know, call center um, workers, you know, come from developing nations, you know, where the, where COVID meant that, you know, that they just got sick and, and they, you know, couldn't turn up for work. So, you know, so we started having these conversations, you know, as, you know, tw as 2020 um, carried on about, you know, the impact that we could have. We, we did some amazing work. You know, one of the organizations we went and said, how can we help was the World Health Organization. And Interesting. Yeah, and as a, as, a, as a result of those conversations, you know, we, we started those conversations in March of 2020. By July of 2020, we, re, we actually launched Florence, a digital health worker for the World Health Organization. Um, we provided Florence, we provided our technology for free to the World Health Organization. Um, we, we convinced Amazon and Google to contribute to the partnership, you know. Um, you know, and Florence's role, you know, Florence had two roles, you know, you know um, and, and continues to this date. You know, Florence um, can answer people's questions, of, you know, about myths and fake news on COVID-19. You know, you know it, it is, you know, if I drink bleach, does that really, you know, stop me getting, you know, I mean, these were, you know, it sounds crazy, but these were things that, you know, um, people believed at different times. Yeah, yeah. so, um, you yeah, know, so, so, Florence became part of the war against fake news and COVID-19. And then she also then became part of the, uh, you know, one of the biggest initiatives the World Health Organization has is, is smoking because smoking is one of the biggest health problems in the world. So Florence became part of their smoking cessation program, you know, because um, obviously, you know, smoking and COVID-19, you know, um, weren't, um, are not a good combination for anybody. So, um, so you know, Florence today continues on. She now speaks all six languages of the, you know, United Nations. Wow. Uh, six, six, six key languages. So, I mean, you know, you know, you, you know, digital people help you, you know, think about how you do, you can do business in different parts of the world when it's not possible to travel there. I mean, you know. I'm jumping around a bit here, Kevin. So I hope that's okay. But you know, no, no, it's good. I, I think yeah. maybe do you want to give a few more use cases of yeah. how people have implement or implemented Soul Machines? Because I think how you guys have done it in the different verticals is really innovative, and I think it'll give people a really good idea of how they can potentially use Soul Machines in their companies. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That, thank you. Um, yeah. Let Let me do that. So we we sort of. Um, the way we look at the work we do, we kind of break it into four market areas or market segments. And they're not necessarily vertical because, you know, we see our technology as a platform technology. I imagine a future, Kevin, you know, we imagine a future, Kevin, where, you know, in maybe the three to five year time frame, 
you can make a digital replica of yourself in literally in minutes. Sure. Yep. You can train it by interacting with it. It learns your voice, your personality, your your you know your behavioural characteristics. You'll be able to uh, attach you know a knowledge base to your digital twin, and your digital twin you know can you know then go out into the metaverse and you know interview people. So I don't know. You can go work on your you know um, work on your golf game or you know learn a new musical instrument you know two things i'm doing now i'm grounded at the moment so you know so you know that's kind of, so we, we are very much a platform company but the way in which we've explored developing the market we really look at the market as in in four categories so the 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 first of those is what we call the future of customer experience so you okay. know, ultimately you know what's our vision of a company is you know is you know we want to democratize the personal experience you know as humans we are wired to have face-to-face -face interaction with other human beings that's the most natural of human communication states so uh, you know so we're wanting to use digital people and and you know and the and the way in which AI technology is rapidly developing to democratize that personal experience. And so when we talk about the future of customer experience, we're talking about democratizing brand experiences, personalizing brand experiences. So, you know, you know great examples, two great examples of use cases here are um, the work we've done with um, a Procter & Gamble brand, SK2. Um, Yumi is a digital skincare consultant for their SK2, you know, oh, very cool. skincare brand. Yumi lives in their US online store. And, okay, interesting. And so when you're going, you go to, you know, the SK2 store in the US, you know, you can choose to ask, you know, have a face-to-face -face, uh, interaction with a digital skincare consultant, you know. We started building Yumi back in 2019, you know, pre-pandemic. Um, because you know, you know, SK two had you know noticed this phenomena as in, in that the the next generation of clients, the twenty something, the thirty something year old women that they were trying to attract to the brand, they didn't want to go into a into a, a a retail store and talk to a real skincare consultant face to face. They, you know, they wanted more privacy and more you know um, when they had you know. Um, Discussions around you know you know their skin you know their skin care and their skin conditions and what skin products so it, it, you know they wanted more more of a personal experience so um, that's you know so we started working with SK2 pre-pandemic you know they rolled out Yumi in February March of 2020 and she's had a dramatic impact on you know on their on the revenue that they're generating online um, very cool. You know, so, you know, and because you can create, you know, even in this digital shopping world, you can create that personal one-to-one -one shopping experience with, with a digital person with Yumi. Yumi speaks English, um, you know, in the American market, she speaks Japanese, you know, in the in the, in, the, in Japan, and later this, later this year, she'll speak Mandarin in, in China. Very cool. So, um, Very cool. This is, and that's one in use case. You know, the, another one, I we, we you know, we, we touched on at the beginning of the session was you know the, the amazing um, project we, we launched a couple of months back with Nestle um, Ruth the digital cookie coach um, you know Nestle is one of the biggest food ingredient companies in the world I mean they are a sure. you know truly global company headquartered out of um, 
out of uh, Europe, um, out of Switzerland, and you know, and if you think about Nestle, I mean, they're you know, you know, we, we go to the supermarket and and you know their products, you know, under different brand categories are everywhere. You know, um, you know, um, you know, many different brands for many different categories: cooking ingredients, baking ingredients. So we work with with Ruth. We work with their baking division, um, specifically their Toll House brand. Um, Interesting. Um, and you know what they were really interested in exploring is this future of a personal brand experience. Um, <clears throat> and you know, really, really big brands, you know, really big organisations. It's, it's really hard to create that personal experience. The closest they can get to creating a personal brand experience is really, really targeted digital advertising, digital media. You know you know, using the internet as a platform, um, you know, and this, you know, <clears throat> Ruth, the digital cookie coach, really enabled them to go to another level for the first time because anybody, anywhere, at any time can go um, talk to Ruth and, and learn how to bake chocolate chippy cookies with the ingredients they have in their pantry. Um, you know, so... Um, and and this is an experience you know you can you can do, you know to uh, you know impress your wife or your girlfriend or you know it's a family experience you can, you know you can have you know ha have you know Ruth become part of a a cooking ex a baking experience with your kids with your children so, you know this is you know I mean it's a really really unique and this personal brand experiences you know we're changing the economics of these personal brand experiences because it literally is just a video stream being an interactive video stream you know um, coming from the cloud um, so you know this is you know this is the you know in, in one concept context this is the future of advertising you know it's not about one to, yeah one to many digital advertising anymore it's one to one and and as ai gets smarter and smarter you know which it you know, literally does from every single interaction, you know, in the, you know, um, and we integrate new technologies and the regulatory framework evolves around AI, you know, Ruth in the future could say, you know, hey, Kevin, you know, great to see you back. You know, what type of cookies are we baking today? Um, you know, um, you know, you know, last, you know, I remember last week we, we, when we baked cookies, it was, you know, you you know, your favorite almond crunch cookies, you know, do you want to do them again or, or, or do you want to, you know, experiment and do something? So we can, you know, the, the experiences will get, you know, over time will become more and more personalized. Um, you know, and if you, you know, and, and, and sort of real world analogy of that is, is, you know, when you walk into your, I don't know, your, your, your favorite local delicatessen, you know, where, you know, um, because you go there every day for lunch, you know, the, the staff there, the people know you, they know what sandwich you like, what condiments you like, you know, so, you know, those personal experience today exist as, at a very, very local, small scale level. And so imagine being able to do that for the biggest brands in the world. So that's kind of, you know, a, a dimension of, of what we do. So that's what we call that future of customer experience, you know, e-commerce, um, brand influencing, um, you know, call centers, help desk, customer service, so all part of that personalizing that experience, changing the economics of that experience. The next category is what we call the, 
the future of work. Um, and this has really sharp, sharp, sharply come into focus, you know, during the COVID-19 era. We got a lot of our big um, brand clients, you know, um, particularly in the banking industry, um, you know, where we we're work with, working with some of the biggest banks in the world, they all of a sudden had a hun, you know, hundreds of thousands of people working from anywhere, working from home. And this is an incredibly complex industry from a regulatory point of view, from a, you know, even just managing health and safety. And, you know, when you've got 300,000 people working in, from home in different neighborhoods and communities all over the US. Um, so how do you keep them up to date? How do you keep them um, how, how do you help you know um, educate them and, and and help them learn and develop new skills and new capabilities um, to deliver products and services when everybody's working from anywhere? So we did a lot of work in building out use cases and you know you'd call them HR use cases. You know, learning. You know, I, we call them learning, development, and capability building use cases. So you know. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, um, our technology started to be used for, you know, how do you onboard employees that work for from anywhere? How do you, you know, how do we teach them new skills? How do we um, teach them how to new employees how to represent the, you know, the brand experiences? You know, we're 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 rolling out, um, you know. Uh, new, new electric vehicle ranges, and we can't get everybody together in in a conference center to to tell them about all of the all of the specifications of our new electric you know vehicle. You know, you know, how can we do that digitally? So these are areas where you know we, we've done a lot of really cool exploration with you know with no. clients over the last you know twelve months. You know, but then you then you start getting into you know. You know what's the you know what does the future of work look like in terms of you know how do we allocate and think about allocating work to digital people so that we can take real people and move them into higher value and and higher productivity and more rewarding work. So how do we think about the evolution of that? You you you, you get to think about we did some work. You know if you take the airline industry completely blown up by COVID, so they're going to have to reinvent the whole the economics of their whole industry. So you know this really gets. Um, you know, you know, some of the industry sectors that were most impacted, you know, really, really thinking about um, the the way in which they're going to construct their competitive strategy, you know, how they're going to have to rebuild their companies for long-term competitive advantage, you know. So some of that work, you know, literally is, you know, just getting underway at the moment. But, you know, we, we you know, we do know that the fourth industrial revolution you know, was always going to have that impact on industry. You know, we've just seen some of that hap happen earlier with the pan pandemic. You know, just keeping moving fairly quickly um, here. You know, we move into healthcare and education. You know, to, you know, once again, we've already touched on that. We've done a lot of work with, you know, with with, with you know health service providers and and education providers. You know, one of the cool things about digital people, and, and this goes across all industry sectors, is people actually, in many instances, prefer to speak to digital people rather than real people, because often yeah, often people fear human judgment. It's incredible how often, you know, we found in, you know, in our banking industry clients, you know, we, we like to talk to digital bankers because 
you know, we fear rejection when we talk to a, a mortgage broker or or, or, a, or a loan advisor. We, you know, we don't like talking to, you know, people about our money problems, um, you know, and how we manage our money. I mean, they're that, that just, you know, uncomfortable experiences for us. And, you know, in healthcare applications like mental health or, you know, even STIs, we've done some work with a with a health a services company, health services company in Nigeria. We just don't like to talk to people about these these things. So digital people perform this really, really important role of non-judgmental interaction. You know, we create digital teachers, you know, a digital language teacher. You know, most of us did high school languages and most of us don't speak those high school languages anymore. Um, you know, for the very, very simple reason that many of us don't process new language syntax particularly well, and we, you know, we fear judgment of the teacher and, and our classmates, so we stop asking questions. You know, people learn at different speeds. So here's another example of areas where you know, a digital teacher you know, doesn't really care if you ask the same question 20 times or you do the same lesson 10 times. So sure. these, are, these are aspects, you know, um, and then the last category, which you know, of our work is the entertainment sector, where you know, you know, we've built digital twins of um, you know some of our celebrities and you know or heroes. You know, um, Will I Am, which was a project we did in 2019. You know, we've just announced you know um, a project with Camelo Anthony, um, the, the NBA All Star. You know, and cool. you know, and, and and starting to frame you know. Um, Camelo thinks very, you know, deeply about you know dig opportunities for him to be a digital brand, opportunities for him to reach more people digitally. You know, imagine, you know, a, a digital, you know, digital Carmelo being able to talk to his fans in China, um, in Mandarin, because. Yeah, you know, even though he, you know, real Camelo doesn't speak Mandarin, you know, his digital twin can. So, you know. They, <clears throat> These are some of the amazing things that we, you know, you know, we, we literally get to imagine on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, you know, uh, you kind of get the sense, uh, hopefully, and, and your listeners will get the sense that I'm having a tremendous amount of fun um, with this business. Um, no, that's that's really great. No, I like and, and very cool. But we are out of time. So how about we close with mentioning where people can get more information about Soul Machines and any other links you want to mention? Sure. Yeah. No. I mean, obviously, you can find you know you can find out a lot about us. You know, at, at our you know, website, our U YouTube channel, soulmachines.com. You know, you, you can see a lot of you know on, you know on our YouTube channel, you can see a lot of use cases of our um, you know of our work with some of the biggest brands in the world. You can see videos of that. Um, you go Google roof nestle or toll house and and ruth the cookie coach and and you can go talk to your first digital person you can have your first digital person experience you know same with florence if you go to our website you know we actually have our own digital employee um we call you know her name is sam sam is you know as you'd expect you know and in, in soul machines we call our employees soulmates so um, you know, Sam is our digital soulmate, so you can go talk to Sam from there. So, yeah, go have your first digital person experience. Very cool. Well, Greg, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day. Thanks, Kevin. Really appreciate Thank you having me. Thank you.
Okay, bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future. <laughs>